Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is. I'm Frank Crivello and along with me as always Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank on this Valentine's Day weekend. How you doing man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great uh, except um, you know you know who's not full of love or maybe they're full of love and and they're just they're, they're full of love and, and it's just misguided me on twitter added again about the whole about <laughs> the Suzo, Suzo right? crap seriously <laughs> oh you got a goal and an assist today yeah against the worst team in spain and then he didn't oh. score until after they got down to 10 men bless him <laughs> just, man bless him that's that, that is when Suzo was productive in Serie A when when they were playing the worst teams in the league and then when they were playing teams down to ten men. That's when he started to ball. After you didn't see him when when it counted. So God Almighty, that, I hate to start with that, but stop it already. I figured we'd go that way, so that's why I got myself a nice uh, glass of red wine just to relax my 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 nerves a little bit. <laughs> and you were going to be talking Suzo, so I'm like, let me calm down a little bit. <laughs> I just. I just get riled up. I don't understand what the the infatuation with is, is with a guy who is just so predictable to watch when he plays. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What can you do? Well, so so anyway, we always open Richard with the uh, the lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi, uh, and it, these are the same notes that Parma walk out to when they uh, have home yes. matches at the Internini. And uh, we have a guest on this edition of Serie A Sit Down, um, who is the creator of at Classic Calcio and at Solo Parma. Uh, he also runs a lot. I don't run at all, so we're we're balanced out. Uh, so we welcome for the first time, earning his first cap, Giovanni Dougal. Benvenuto, Giovanni. Good evening, guys. How are we doing? We're doing Fantastic. great, man. Glad to have you on. I'm. Go ahead. I said. I said. Good evening. It's good evening. Where I am is it is it evening? Where you guys are yet? Uh, close early enough. Evening. Early evening. Yep. Almost. Almost. I'm getting ready for my bed here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad you stayed up. We're, we're glad you stayed up a little bit here so that uh, you can chat a little Parma with us. Um, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, introduce yourselves to our listeners. Give us a feel for, OK, how did you become a Parma supporter? And, you know, how how did Solo Parma get off the ground? Just uh, kind of give our listeners a little bit of a uh, taste of, uh, of who you are and uh, and uh, your support for Parma. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as you've introduced, I'm Gio. Um, Parma, how did it all begin? Uh, well, for me, um, my uh, I, I got into the Italian football, first of all. Um, it was a Sunday, the usual Sunday. You'd go to Mass, you'd come back to your nonas, and um, the Italian football would be on the TV. And uh, that that's how I started getting into it. And for me, as a as a young a young boy, I was a I was a goalkeeper, a small fat kid, so I was a goalkeeper, um, and uh, and I, I remember watching that Milan game when um, Buffon made his debut, and uh, I was then yeah. just an absolute awe of the guy, and uh, as a kind of eight nine year old kid just starting out playing football, and as I said, I was a goalie, uh, I was like, yeah, I, w- I want to be that guy. Unfortunately, it didn't quite happen, but <laughs> I, g- I gave it a go. Um, and from there, it stuck. And then, uh, uh, obviously, he broke my heart when he left and went to Juventus. <laughs> um, but my love for Parma just grew and, and it stuck. And um, yeah, I've been going going over 
um, ever since to, to watch them. Um, you know, so yeah, that's that's how it all began for me. Um, the solo Parma is is quite interesting. I, the, the reason I set that up was mainly because Parma, when we got put down to to Serie D, um, that was that. You know, no, nobody was really interested, and it was almost just a kind of little thing just to just to keep people up to date with with how they were doing, and it was almost just a you know updating the scores each week, posting it on Twitter and things like that. But it kind of it grew and developed a little bit, and uh, I've I've kept it going ever since. I wasn't really planning to, but um, you know, it seems it seems popular enough, and people are interested in it. So uh, yeah, and then obviously Parma released their own English um, um, site, English speaking site this year. So uh, I did have thoughts about what's the point kind of thing, but I put it out there, and people were like, "No, you know what? Keep." Keep keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing because it's it's sometimes more interesting getting a, a fan's viewpoint rather than just you know the club's Twitter feed, which you know at times can be a, a tad cringe when you see all the, the club's <laughs> official Twitter pages. It's you know, but um, yeah, that's 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 how it came about, and yeah, I've kept I've kept going, I've kept doing it. So yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, I, you, we're going to get into a Q&A with you uh, about Parma, and I can't wait. As we were talking before we before we started recording this, was, yeah. you know, just, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of our listeners are now, you know, transplants from other leagues. You know, we have yeah. obviously several that, you know, know their Serie A history and are very well educated, too, at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's a lot of folks that don't understand that this this Parma was a juggernaut in the 1990s. They won a Cup Winners Cup in 93. They won a UEFA yeah. Cup in 99, um, yeah. and they were littered with talented players throughout that decade. So I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to going back into history and talking about that team a little bit. Uh, yeah. but let's let's talk the present first. Um, and what we do when we have a guest who specializes in the club, we make their game front and center. And it uh, uh, says a lot, especially on a weekend where we had Lazio Inter and we had Atalanta Roma, but we will uh, talk about uh, Sassuolo hosting Parma first. Um, That's absolute thriller this afternoon. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you won. You won, <laughs> you to won and that's all that matters. Yeah, and uh, and and fending off a a uh, talented uh, attack trio of uh, Jeremy Boga, Francesco Caputo, and Domenico Berardi. Uh, yeah. You know, a trio that Roma had a really hard time dealing with, as as have many other teams. Uh, and yeah. you guys managed to keep them out um, in this win. Uh, obviously, they monopolized the ball. It was a lot of soak and strike from Parma in this game, but it suited them just fine because. Uh, it's 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 all they needed in in a game like that. If you can keep the other team out, you only need one, and that's exactly what happened in the twenty uh, fifth minute. Uh, Richard, cue the music. <laughs> uh, Andreas Cornelius, lovely cross, Gervinho with the finish uh, to uh, give Parma the win by a goal to nil. Um, I, I think we just make a rule change here on City. I sit down, Richard Cornelius. The Soul Train music is on whether he scores or assists now, hey, not just goals. That works for me, man. <laughs> people, people, people love it, so why not? Exactly, so, exactly. <laughs> so um, a tricky fixture, uh, uh, Giovanni, uh, when yeah. you talk about Sassuolo, when you talk about going to the Mape, and when you talk yeah. about the run that they're on, um, the, the tactics that 
uh, the tactics that you guys came out with couldn't have surprised you given what Sassuolo have to offer going uh, going forward, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you look, you look at that. I, I didn't expect to get anything out of that game today. You look at the guys that were missing, you know, Inglese, Seppi, Kuchka was a massive miss today, Kulisevsky, Scott Zarella, the, the list goes on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I, as you say, the, the run that Sassuolo are on at the minute, I, I could, I just couldn't see us getting anything, but we defended, you know, Jacoponi, Galliolo, Alves, Colombian goal, the saves he made today, you know, they were they were brilliant. It was a fantastic defensive display, and when we got our chance, you know, we took it. Um, you know, big Cornelius as a fantastic ball in for mm-hmm. for Jovino, who he couldn't miss. Let's be honest, and and from there on in, it was it was kind of you know. Let's just try and see this out after scoring after twenty minutes, and they managed it. I don't, I don't know how, but they done it. <laughs> you guys are pretty. Uh, you guys are doing have done have done really well. You know, despite Gervinho being out for all this time. But how happy are you to see Gervinho back in the lineup? Um, obviously he scored a goal today, but I mean, you guys are on the back burner. But you got to love having a guy back that speeds. I mean, there's not many people who can keep pace with him. Yeah, yeah, it's he's he's um. He's not my favourite player, shall we say. You might be surprised to see. And if anybody that follows me on Twitter will laugh at that right now because, unfortunately, I, g- I give the guy grief quite a lot of the time. <laughs> um, he's... he's it's, it's obviously good to have the guy back. There's Obviously, there's a talent there. Um, I just get so frustrated with him at times. Um, you know, he chooses the wrong pass. He's selfish. He just doesn't look interested at times. Um but down to the bare bones today, um, we had to call him back up and fair play to him. He he put a shift in. He looked interested. He scored the goal. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to have to get these guys back. As I say, especially when when you're down to to, to the bare bones. Um, and yeah, as long as he obviously he wanted to leave the club, which was disappointing um, in January, but. If he if he if he puts it if he turns it on and puts it in from now to the end of the season, fair enough. You know, it'll be great to have him back. Great to have him back and and on form as well. Um, Giovanni, let's talk about Roberto Diaversa and the job he's done with Parma because I yeah. think he's flown under the radar. When you take a look at what Simone Inzaghi has done at Lazio this season, Gasparini. You know, sustaining what he's done at Atalanta. When I think when you can go back to the beginning of the season, Richard and I and a bunch of people didn't think Atalanta could do that with the distraction of having to play in the Champions League as well. Yeah. And then you have Ivan Juric, who's been amazing with yeah. Hellas Verona this season. Um, I think the thing that impresses me the most about Diaversa, you talked about, you know, the number of players that you had missing for this game. But he is just, he's got a system and he seems to just be plugging and playing guys. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, Gaston Brugman has found a home here. Uh, mm-hmm. wasn't particular wasn't the greatest in this game, but uh, the the two games previous uh, were games where he stood out. Um, yeah. You get Yasmin Kurtic in January, uh, a player like Hernani who has a nice little skill set to him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's impressive how he's able to uh, plug and play uh, different players. It's he 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 doesn't seem, you know troubled by not having Kulishevsky available or not having Sepe in goal. Talk a little bit about Diaversa and the That's, performance that he's done as manager. I, I, I think I think this this season in particular, um, he deserves so much credit. 
um, because the, even even when we were in Serie B and he first came along, he was under, you know, he, he had he took some heat. Even even last season after New Year, we were on a terrible run. He took a lot of heat and genuinely think he could have been a couple of games away from being out the door. Um, but this season, he, this was one of the concerning things for me about Gervinho coming back. He seems, Diversa seems to have everybody playing for him. And there's a fantastic team spirit there. You can see it with the guys. Um, so just, I was concerned about bringing him back in with his, you know, if he's if he's want away attitude, his negative attitude. Um, but as you say, he came in today and he was he was excellent and diverse. As you say, he deserves he deserves so much credit. Um, you know, you're thinking Kulisevsky's not there today. What do you do? Seppi's out injured, but Colombia comes in and he's brilliant. You know, um, and as you say, he's got he's got a system. He sticks to it, and the, the guys are clearly playing for him, which is fantastic. We're going to go to a little bit of the uh, elephant in the room, and part of the credit goes to uh, Diversa for, for believing in the youngster. I'm talking about De- Dejan Kulashevsky. Uh, you know, Frank and I have been touting this player since probably one of the first ones outside of you know, the Parma community uh, this yeah. season. When did you know that this kid was something special? And I know you're sad to see him go to Juventus uh, next year, mm-hmm. but when did you know that he was something special and something, someone who's going to be in the starting lineup and a perennial pain in the ass for everybody else in the league? Yeah, I think we had we 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 had a bit of a a kind of rocky start, not start to the season, but maybe after the first few games we went on a bit of a a kind of poor run of form. But every single week, this kid was he was always putting a, putting a shift in. He was always giving a hundred percent, and um, he was always doing. He, the, the thing that stands out for me, he can do things in that Parma team that other players can't do, um, and. You know, good luck to him. You can't. That is always disappointing. He's going to Juventus, but you, you can't blame the guy. He's got to take that chance. Um, but yeah, he's he's absolutely superb, um, and it's very, very, very early on. You, you could tell he had something special about him, and it's hard. You forget just how young the guy is as well. You know, um, but yeah, he's going to be he's going to be something special. That's for sure. It's. Um... It's been a heck of a season for Parma so far. I mean, when you're talking about right now, it's 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 a real dogfight. Handicap your team's chances for a, for a European finish. I mean, because right now you've got Roma and Verona holding those last Europa League spots. Um, you know, fourth might be a little bit of a mount, too too big of a mountain for to climb. Maybe for anybody on 35 points or less, but you've got this cluster right now. Yeah. Um, you're in it. Uh, Verona's in it. Napoli is starting to charge hard. Bologna, Milan is still somebody to you know to talk about. Caliuti yeah. um, is is maybe peaked and they're tailing off here. Um, yeah. You know, and Sassuolo still has the chops to to make themselves a little bit of a thing, even though they're all they're sitting in twelfth on on twenty nine yeah. points. How do you? How do you envision your chances of a top six finish for Parma? What would that mean to the club, you know, considering the recent history and, you know, having to go all the way down uh, to Serie D, uh, you know, to come all the way back up from that? What it would mean and and, and what the realistic chances are? Um, and, and then maybe just follow up, you know, what position of the table could they finish and you would still, what's the worst position of the table that they could finish and you would say this season was a success? Oh, yes. You know, it's, it's, personally speaking, I think Europe's 
still a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest. Um, I mean, you look, you, you look at the, the squad at the minute, um, all these guys out injured, you know, I, I just I just can't see it continuing. Um, and saying that, however, you look at the next three games, Torino away, Spal at home, Genoa away, I, I, there's no reason why they can't pick up maximum points there. Right. And, uh, you know, and then, then you're sitting pretty after that. And I think Verona's two games after that kind of run of fixtures. I mean, you pick up a result there. Why not? Um, mm-hmm. And you, you look at the, you, even you look at since the turn of the year, after getting hammered 5 0 from Atalanta, we've lost to Juventus. I think we could have got something out of that. We lost to Lazio last week. We probably could have got something out of that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a cynical scot and don't think we can actually do it but but you never know you, you never you never know I mean we're sitting what six points away from the same tally that we had last year we, we finished in 41 last year you know that's that's quite that's quite an impressive achievement so far um, but you know if we get all these guys back you, you know Kuchka Kulisevsky and Glazies if we can get them back get everybody up up and running fit you know why not? Why not finish sixth? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I just can't see it happening. But it would mean it would mean the absolute world to the club. You know, y- you think that um, Mission Impossible was complete when we got back into Serie A, but I think this would actually be Mission Impossible complete if they managed to yeah. get yeah. into Europe. You know, but um, listen, we can dream. I think you, you seen today Jacoponi's interview, you and Diverse's interview after the game. Both of them are stressing. Like survival is the goal. Anything after survival is is an absolute bonus. So it. that's yeah, that's, a, that's that's awesome stuff. And uh, I'm curious because you know you kind of mentioned you mentioned Atalanta, and I'm wondering what what team in your eyes is was the hardest team you played against thus far this season? You know, Atalanta obviously jumps out because it's a five nothing oh. win uh, win for them. But what's also on the flip side? What team do you feel that you guys stack up the best against? Uh, I know you guys had a big win against the Genoa early in the season. So, mm-hmm. from your perspective, what's you know what's been the best team and, and the worst team to face this year for you for you guys? Uh, Atalanta by a mile have been so impressive. You know that that I remember watching that that day and they were just so so good and they battled us and you, you just got to take your hat off to a team sometimes when they when they play like that. Yeah. Um, they have been the most difficult opponent by an absolute mile, no doubt about it. <clears throat> um, yeah, so the, the, the Napoli result away was was brilliant. That was a great win. That was a great win. Um, Juve was, I know, although we lost away at Juventus, we played so so well, and I, we we should have got something out of that game last week as well. I thought we were so impressive. Um, you know, there was a two. Two penalty appeals. If you get them, you know you've just turned over Lazio possibly. Um, mm-hmm. So although we lost those two games against Juventus and Lazio last week, I thought we were excellent in the two of them. Absolutely superb. Um, yeah, but but for me, standout team Atalanta, no doubt about it. Yeah, we're not going to make fun of you for losing five 0 to Atalanta. No, no, <laughs> so, no. They were, it happened. Oh, uh, it happened to our team too. So, so it did. <laughs> So it did. Yeah. So, 
Oh, mercy. At least we're not Torino, right? Losing 7 nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, that's not so bad. Yeah, that's not yeah, that, 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 Listen, That's a little worse. It, it could have been 10 nothing that day. Farmer played them. No kidding. Yeah. Let's talk about the history of this club, okay? Um, you know, I, I've been really following i mean i've been following Serie A for over 30 years so i you know i enjoy parma uh, you know because i think about the great teams from the 1990s but maybe walk people through to the the period before that and maybe how they arrived to i think you know what some people would call the the parmalot era um rob guest has an interesting piece on bleacher report where he ranks the 15 best players from that era uh, that mm-hmm. played for parma but maybe talk the history a little bit you know, and then leading up to that, I should mention, I and, and shame on me to leave out uh, the 95 UEFA Cup winning team that actually beat yeah, Juventus over yeah. the legs, too. Yeah. Forgive me for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, some some amazing teams uh, oh, over the so. 90s. But, you know, take us through the history and how Parma got to that point. Oh, I mean, some, as you say, some of the, some of the players um, at the time, it was unbelievable. Obviously, all, all bankrolled by the... Um, the the Parmalat company um, and the the players that they were bringing in at the time was was unbelievable for for a, a small provincial side like like Parma um, and then obviously you know the black hole of money that they said they had they didn't have and it all it all collapsed from there but uh, I mean, the things that they were doing at the time, the, the UEFA Cup wins, the Coppa Italia wins, the Supercoppa wins, um, and the players, I mean, it was world, world-class players you're talking about. It wasn't like, you know, <laughs> just guys punching above their weight. Um, but what what an era. Um, what an era of football to watch that. And, oh, they were fantastic. The, 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 the UEFA Cup winning team of 98-99, I mean, the players in that were just, you know, your Buffons, Cannavaro, Churam, you know, Crespo, Chiesa up front and that Marseille side that they beat in that final, they, they were no mugs and they brushed them aside so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's just, it was just, it's just a shame the way it all kind of came crashing down and not for the first time, unfortunately. I got a, one more question here, Richard, and then I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you get one in here. Um, or, well, I've got a couple of other questions, but um, <clears throat> how aggravating that that era? Um, how aggravating was it to not come away with a scudetto? I mean, you got two two UEFA cups. You won a cup winners' cup. I mean, you know, had it not been for Saki's Milan, Capello's Milan, Lippi's Juventus, you know, yeah. it's pretty fair to say that this. This Parma team would have had themselves a couple of league titles to go Ab- with those European wins. Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. I mean, the, the caliber of players that were there, they were capable of doing it. I mean, this came so so close um, that year. UV pipped them. Uh, it's a it's a it's a crying shame that they never they never won a won a Scudetto. That's the only that's the only the only missing thing from that kind of era of success is a Scudetto. And they should have done. I mean, the players, how those guys together as a team didn't win one is unbelievable. But I guess maybe that's testament, as you say, to to the other teams at the time. 
of all those, t- I mean, having a Scudetto would have been amazing, right? But you guys won a lot, and a lot during the '90s, really, and, and really just in and just in and around the '90s as well. I mean, you know, you won the Coppa Italia what three times at least? Yeah. Uh, Super Coppa Italiana. Uh, you won the UEFA UEFA Cup as we mentioned '94, '95, and '98, '99, and yeah. uh, Super Cup. Out of all the trophies you guys won uh, during that, that, you know what? 10 to 15 year span what was your most favorite was it the marseille win or which 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 trophy was the, the biggest for you personally it was the marseille one okay. it was just what a night you know just mm. the the, the, the t as i said it wasn't a bad marseille team and they just the three goals if if, if you've not seen those three goals go back on youtube and watch them because they were they were fantastic three brilliant goals and um they just brushed him aside so easily, and the players on show—it was frightening. So it was, but that—that—that's my personal favourite. I'm sure other people will have different opinions, but um, for me, it was—it was that. That was the peak kind of Parmalat success era. You know, it was the fantastic strips, the the players, everything. They had everything. Yeah, Frank and I can relate because both in, you know, uh, when we beat Barcelona 4 nothing, and they were, you know, they were so heavily talented and we just brushed them aside, you know, 4 nothing yeah. win. It, it, was, it was equally, I guess, uh, as good for us as, as that victory was for you, right, Frank? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was one of my, I mean, it's one of my favorite AC Milan games of all time. I mean, it's 1B to my 1A, which was the, you know, the, the 2008 derby, which I got to go to. But yeah, I mean, for, it, it was the, it was when my, passion for Milan just exploded because you know I'd gotten into them I'd enjoyed them I enjoyed watching whatever game that here in the states we didn't get many games mm-hmm. so I was excited to watch whatever game I could so but I always tried to watch a Milan game and um but then when I you know watched the Champions League final on pay-per-view against against Barcelona and the odds are against Milan. They've got Romario. They've got Stoichkov. We've got Barresi and Costa Corte suspended, and yet we go out and batter them four 0 mm-hmm. um, beyond my imagination that we could have done that. Milan could have done that, but um, but but at any at any rate, let's keep this about Parma, Richard. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I could do two hours talking about that ninety four final. Um, <laughs> so and the and the game itself was only ninety minutes. Um, so. Um, favorite favorite player from that era and best player from that era. Oh, favorite uh, for me it was um, my favorite was Buffon. I, okay. Simply because I was at the time a young kid playing as a goalkeeper as well, and I absolutely idolized the guy at the time. So that was my favorite player was Buffon. Um, best player, jeez, <laughs> where do you start? Oh, I've got to be Crespo for me. Okay. 100% Crespo. Okay. I could, I could take my pick from many, but I'll go with Crespo. Just okay. the goals he scored. He scored so many important goals and, you know, the kind of goals he scored, he was just, uh, he was tremendous. I wished Risto Stoichkov could have stuck. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. a shame it was only one season because it was one of the, you know, one of the few times that you look at it, and I guess maybe that was the landscape back then. But today, it would be unheard of for somebody wanting to make, you know, to make a move out of Barcelona to play for Parma. Uh, yeah. But that's exactly what happened when Stoich, when uh, when Stoichkov came over, and it wasn't like he was like, you know, at the tail end of his career. He was still at yeah. the top of his game. It was still Absolutely. just a couple of seasons removed from sharing the golden boot in the '94 World Cup. 
uh, and having an influence for Bulgaria at the 96 Euros. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, he, he's the one guy that I wish he would have played a little bit longer, uh, you know, for him to have been my my favorite uh, Parma player. But, yeah, you just take a look. I'm just going through this list that I don't know if you're familiar with Rob Guest. I just I'm going through this list that he wrote yeah. and I'm remembering all 15 of these names that he uh, that he listed in there. He has the best. As Faust- he has Faustino Espria as the best. And that's really hard to argue. Um, yeah, that's what I would have gone with. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Dino Baggio played there for a long, long time and, yeah. and, and obviously was a fixture for Italy and was key in Italy's midfield in the in the 94 World Cup. Uh, ben Arrivo had some, you know, you know, played big for Parma. Uh, also p- played an important role for Italy. I'm, you know, I come back to that 94 World Cup again, but, uh, you know, very important for them there. Um you know, uh, but I'll give you a guy that I'll, I'll give you a guy that I enjoyed from that era that, yeah. you know, maybe flies, flies under the radar. Um, hang on here. Let me just pull this up. Um, I, I was a big Thomas Brolin fan back then. Yes. The Swedish midfielder. Yeah. The guy just, the guy could boss a midfield. And I don't think, you know, in an era that there were some really, really good midfield players uh, across <laughs> Europe and in world football. I mean, he, it's amazing how he flies under the radar. Um, he, it wasn't for Parma. It was for Sweden. The double, uh, the double, and I can't remember what turn. I think it was the 92 European Championships, the double one-two that he did to score. Um, he did a one-two with a midfielder, and then he connected with a forward. Look it up on YouTube. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, and and he buries a goal. I just looked at it. And I said, "Man, that guy, <laughs> this guy can play." <laughs> so another, probably go ahead, Richard. I was say another fair shot is going to be Enrico Chiesa. I mean, in, in European yeah. play, he was. I mean, a, a goal scoring yeah. phenom. I mean, what he had like sixteen goals in eighteen games overall in his yeah. two year span. And that's yeah. ridiculous. That's phenomenal. And the partnership he had with Crespo was oh yeah outrageous, absolutely outrageous. Finally, um, I mean, I mean, just, just we can talk about these players forever. They were so good and they were so impactful uh, for Parma. Um, finally, for me, and I don't know if Richard has another question. Take us through the financial health of Parma now. Um, obviously, um, you know, Richard will have a question about the fans, but take us through the financial health of the club now. I mean, obviously, they got hit with bankruptcy and got sent down to Serie D, you know, earlier in the, earlier in the decade, you know, I speak last, last dec earlier last decade, um, and had to, had to start from rock bottom and work their way back up to get to this point. I mean, it's a phenomenal success story. Uh, it's a shame that it happened. It's great that they're back in Serie A because I think Serie A is a little bit empty without Parma in it, at least yeah. the Serie A that I know. Um, so, you know, take us through the financial health of the club, you know, maybe what's what could be expected going forward, how they're doing. Uh, just kind of give us a rundown on that. Yeah, so at, at the moment, I mean, just within the past couple of weeks or so, they had the, the cut ties with the um, the Chinese connection. Um, just uh, with literally just a couple of weeks ago there. Um, the health of the club now... Um, on my understanding, is it's it's spot on. Um, it's obviously the, the the group of local business guys that have the majority shares in the club, <clears throat> and uh, then there's a sh- the small percentage with the fans. Um, 
But yeah, um, these guys are clearly, as I say, local guys. They've got the club's interest at heart, which is the key thing. They're not going out and, you know, spending stupid amounts of money um, on players. You know, the, 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 uh, there was a couple of... They were linked in the transfer market there with a couple of guys, but they've just came out and been honest and like, no, that's not within our budget and we're not going to do that, which is it's good to hear that instead of going out and, you know, it's good to hear these guys being honest and not just going out and, you know, breaking the bank to, to bring guys in. And, you know, it's, it's an ongoing project kind of thing. You know, what people have got to remember is this is only our second season back in Serie A. And, you know, people are expecting Europe and things like that. I think let's just calm down a little bit, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, survived, we survived last season. Let's kind of kick on a bit this season and try and improve on that. Season after that, try and improve again. I think that's got to be the way we do it. But, um, yeah, a healthy financial situation at present. And let's hope it stays that way and none of the nonsense happens again that's happened before. As I say, we've not got idiots in charge at the minute you know it's actual guys that have got a, an interest in Parma local guys you know that want to see the team do well and care about the community which is what it's all about really you know finance kind of got us into the mess that we're in right now right with Parma right um, take me through with the fans perspective so because you know you guys get hammered go down to City D and you slowly work your way up and each and every season, City D, City C, City B, the mm-hmm. fans that, that went to the games, it was just it seemed like it was sold out every time. I mean, I'm watching mm-hmm. those games. I remember watching the highlights in the, in, as they went up, and the, the <clears> fans <throat> were always there. Speak a little bit about the passion that the fans have, never given up on this club, and continue to support them, even when they were down in the dungeons of uh, the lower leagues in, City, uh, in, the, in the Italian leagues. Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely. I remember I went to the City D game away in Correggio and um, <laughs> they the, the, the built they basically built stands with scaffolding temporary stands and this was like going to I was like going to a public park to play and I, I reckon I could have got a game for the team <laughs> and uh, it was you know, it was just a sea of yellow and blue I mean it was unbelievable Car, getting cars full of you know there was no buses there it was just cars full of people um, you know friends family taking people there and it was just a sea of yellow and blue scarves and uh, you know they had a barbecue in the car park <laughs> it was unbelievable <laughs> um, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was great to see you know I mean obviously it was it was very very cheap to get into the Serie D but I think that I think when um, Alessandro Lucarelli made his promise that he would get Parma back yeah. I think that the fans the, and what he done during that kind of time the fans felt that they owe him one and, you know, they've got to be there to support him, support the team and get them back. And the passion was fantastic. It's great to see um, that they're stuck by them and, uh, and, and and got them back to where, where they are now. Great stuff. I mean, I, I, I had a blast talking about Parma here. Um, you know, it's, uh, like I said, I, Serie A was empty without the minute. I'm glad they're back. Uh, and I'm glad that they're, you know, fiscally healthy again, um, and uh, and competitive too, uh, which Absolutely. is very very important. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, it's exciting to see, and, uh, and and Giovanni, you knocked it out of the park. We're so grateful that you came on. Uh, no, thanks for having me, guys. 
Yep. Let's let's uh, let's have you again soon. But before we let you let you go, let's give you a little time. Floor is yours. Uh, plug away anything you want to plug for our listeners. Uh, no, just, uh, just as I say, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you'll get me at Giovanni D eighty six. And if you want to keep up to date with any Parma stories, match previews, scores, anything like that, then give at Solo Parma a follow. Excellent. Excellent right. stuff. Uh, Giovanni, thank you so much, man. Uh, no, thanks, guys. Yep, great time talking with you, and let's get you back on soon, okay? 100%. Thanks for that, guys. Thank you, Gio. Cheers. All right. Bye. Giovanni Dugal, man, I just <laughs> those were those were some players I just flat out admired, Richard. Yeah, man, and it's well overdue to talk Parma, especially the, the old teams like you were talking about. And man, reminiscing on some of those players, um, some fantastic teams that they had. I mean, look, just look at the list of some of the players in any yeah. really any year of the '90s, and you're like, wow, they're all like Hall of Famers, really. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding stuff. Uh, so uh, grateful to uh, uh, grateful to have the chance to have that conversation. So uh, uh, yeah, give Giovanni a, a follow once again at uh, Giovanni D eighty six, and that's with two ends. Um, but uh, let's get on to what went down in Serie A over the weekend. Okay, Richard, uh, kind of an important game that went on here on uh, Sunday that we're just only, what, an hour and 10 minutes removed from. Uh, Lazio taking on Inter. Um, a game that uh, might answer some questions as far as who is Juventus's true title challenger. Um, but uh, you never know. The season's still very, very long. And uh, with the way the uh, with the way things are um, situated at the moment, the team in third at the moment could still pip this thing. You never know. Um, so it was Lazio hosting Inter. Um, let's just go through the lineups. It was Strakosia in goal. It was the typical 3-5-2 you see from Simone Inzaghi. Luis Felipe, Francesco Acerbi, Stefan Radu across the back. Uh, Adam Marosic gets the start over Lazzari on the right-hand side. Milinkovic, Savic, Leva, and Luis Alberto with Joni starting on the left. Uh, and it was Caicedo and Immobile in attack. Um... Three five two for Lazio, but uh, curious to get your thoughts on when you saw Marusic in the team sheet and not Lazzari. It was certainly curious because I, I'm I was wondering why the switch. I mean, Marusic maybe he's been playing really well as of late, and maybe that's Inzaghi is like guy he really trusts. He's not quite sure about Lazzari yet being the new man in the club. But that's the only thing I can think of because uh, it didn't really make much sense to me. Uh, and, I, and I was watching, you know, uh, Lazio Twitter reacting to it. And, you know, some were for it, some were against it. Um, but it was, it was certainly head scratching to me. But I, you got you got to trust Inzaghi. The team is where they're at for a reason because of the moves he's made and the yep. players, you know, playing for him. So you got to trust what, he's, what his decision making is in that, in that instance there. Yep. Inter came back with a three-five-two of their own. Padelli in goal. Uh, Diego Godin, uh, Stefan de Vrij, who the Lazio faithful welcomed with open arms every time he touched the ball. Um, Milan Skriniar in the back. That was facetious, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you usually chuckle, like, right away. I don't know if you were, like, are you distracted right now? I Did was you? a little distracted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you're just tuning me out. Don't worry. Uh, my, my wife does that, too. Um, so... <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> uh, 
Antonio Candreva uh, on the right, Ashley Young on the left in the midfield of Vecino, uh, Brozovic and Barella, uh, Lukaku and Latoro Martinez up front. Latoro Martinez back after his suspension. He played in the cup match against uh, Napoli at midweek as well. Um, so Inter, uh, nothing glaringly surprising about how they came out. No, and, and, and we knew Padelli was going to start. Um, it's still a we've talked about this, you know at length. You know, even with the with the derby, how he's uh, not quite Handanovic, you know. And, and Inter fans will let you know left and right, and for good reason. I mean, uh, while he is a very menacing player in terms of his size, he doesn't have quite the reflexes that you would want as maybe a starting goaltender. But we knew that he was going to start, and uh, Inter were going to do the best they could to try to defend in front of him to hopefully minimize the shots that he would have to face. Yeah, for sure. Um, the game itself, uh, we had a great chance from Sergei Milinkovic-Savic in the first half hitting the woodwork. Aside from that, I mean, the first 30, let's talk about the just the first 35 to 40 minutes for me, Richard. I could probably just encompass it in saying that it really felt like a sparring match between these two teams. Yeah, two teams trying to fill each other out and, and really not taking any chances. Uh, and like, like I said, a sparring match, really, like it was just very, you know, uh, very respective, too respective, really. Uh, no one really trying to go for the throat, the jugular uh, in the first 35 or so, like you said. And uh, luckily, uh, we had a score because otherwise it, it could have lasted even longer. And, and I think the goal helped force the, the hand on uh, on the opposition. It, and uh, I mean, if, if I, I said on Twitter, I said I don't think I've ever seen a game more desperate in, in more desperate need of a goal than yeah. this one. Uh, to, to, to maybe loosen this game up a little bit, and uh, we would get that um, in the 43rd minute, 44th minute, uh, through Ashley Young, just a little carom in the penalty area. Strakoja kept the first one out, couldn't keep the second one out. Ashley Young taking advantage, giving an inter a, a 1-0 lead at halftime. Um, you know, and quite frankly, I mean, while we talk about it being a sparring match in the first half, uh, it's a... Scoreline that flattered Inter. I thought that Lazio was just slightly better. Um, I don't think anybody would have made a stink out of this game going to nil-nil into the into the halftime. But lo and behold, um, Ashley Young pops up for the odd goal. Yeah, he did, and uh, you know, good for him. You know, so many young players these days don't understand that when, especially when there's a situation like that, to to say your head in the game and go after the rebound, even if the chances are they're not going to be a rebound. He did it and he scored. He he understands that. I mean, you know, a lot of players you see where a rebound does happen and he's just you know not paying attention or or assuming that the goal is going to go in. So uh, it's great great play there by Ashley Young. Yes, it's a minimal minimal um, in terms of skill, but it teach it, it should teach a lot of the youngsters how to really play the game. Is you play through the whistle no matter what. Yep, and it puts Inter uh, ahead by a goal to nil at halftime, and it. As we would expect, Lazio would have to come out to be the aggressor to get some kind of uh, momentum going to get a goal, to get back in this game, and they get it penalty, and, and they get it through Stefan de Vrij committing a foul and getting booked. So the old Lazio player uh, helping yeah. his old team's cause a little bit, isn't he? He is, he is. And I, and I don't know how about you, I don't know how you felt about this, but I had issues with this call. Um, it, it's funny, though, it's kind of ironic that you know he's the one who gets called for the penalty, uh, being the former Lazio man. But um, I thought this play was a very, very harsh penalty call. Um, and, and, and in real time, I thought, yeah, it's a penalty. And when you watch a replay, it, it, it looked like uh, Immobile swung, he swung his leg back to kick the ball, hits De Vrij, then falls down, and it wasn't so much De Vrij 
you know, plowing over him as it looked initially to me. I'm curious how you thought, how you saw that play happen and what your thoughts were. Yeah, I was, I was actually, I was actually surprised that he was even booked. I mean, I think that the way the referee interpreted it was okay. Second ball is falling to Immobile and he has a clean look at the goal. Uh, albeit he has a little bit of work to do with having to volley it, but Javrai just bumbles behind him. Yeah. Um, and the referee looks at it that way and says, all right, you're, you're impeded with his, you know, you, you impeded with a, with a scoring chance here. Um, and uh, not only is it a penalty, but you need to go into my book for this. Uh, so that's, that's the way it was looked at. Um, I, don't, I guess I don't have a problem with it, with, with Rocky giving a penalty there. But at the same time, um, I don't know if booking him was, was necessary. I, I think it was one of those where we could have just given the penalty. Because while he did bring Immobile down, it was still, from a degree of difficulty standpoint, a difficult finish to try to pull off from where he was. Um, you know, and from having to get a side volley to it and all this other stuff. So and if, having to make the right contact. There, there's a lot that Immobile has to do there. Let's just, let's just say that. So, um, but nonetheless, uh, Chiri Immobile, my pick for Capo Cananieri. Uh, <laughs> you remember me telling you about that? Uh, vaguely, yes. Yeah, just a, <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, Bags won, and that is his 26th goal of the season now. Um, That's right. And we go to the Immobile tracker, and that puts him on pace for 41 goals. He's 11 uh, off, the, off the record at the moment. Yep, 11 off, 11 from setting the record, and he is uh, on pace to score 41. What a season he's having. So he oh, gets man. the... He gets the penalty, puts them up by a goal to nil. Lazio would get a corner. Um, great chance for Marusic, cleared off the line by Brozovic, falls to uh, Milinkovic-Savic, who takes a touch to open enough space and curls one in uh, to make it 2-1 for Lazio. Uh, again, the result of good pressure um, from uh, Simone Inzaghi's men, Richard, and then it pays off, and they get, the, they get the lead that, frankly, I think they deserve. They were the better team in the second half. Yeah, certainly in the second half, they really came at uh, Inter, and, and part of that is probably because that Ashley Young goal at the end of the first half, and it really forced uh, Inzaghi, Inzaghi's team really to uh, be on the, on, the, on, the, on the pedal there, and they were certainly the better team. It was good to see. Malinkovic Savage was having a fantastic second half. Um, there was what, I forget what minute it was. He was doing a nice juggling play around three different uh, Inter players, uh, and then you know slides it off to you know his teammate. He was just having a great game, and it was it was deserving that he got the game winner at the, at the game that he was playing. I thought uh, I thought it was very fantastic, very bo- good ball movement, uh, good passing, good distribution, and then getting that goal uh, really capped it off. Um, SMS uh, really having a really bounce back season after last year's uh, downward trend. So uh, good for him, uh, and gives Lazio the lead. Uh, and, the, and with 20 minutes to go in the game, it's a big, big play by him. Yeah, for sure. Um... And I'll go ahead and say it. I thought he was the best player in this game, uh, Sergey, which I think has been so much needed. Uh, yeah, when, I won't argue with that. I won't argue yeah, with that. When, when you look at it, I think that uh, Acherby was outstanding as well, as well as Stefan Radu. I thought both of them were very good. Um, you know, but, you know, from an overall performance. Um, Acherby Ser- had the big block at the end of the game on Lukaku, yep. too. So, Yes, he did. Key block there. So... And then they, uh, you know, they certainly ride it out and go on and um, win the match here uh, by two goals to one. And uh, folks, this, I, we said it a couple of weeks ago, Lazio is a living, breathing thing. 
and uh, they're a they're a threat to both Inter and Juventus the rest of the way. Yeah, one point uh, they're literally smack dab in the middle of both these clubs. One point behind Juventus and two points above Inter right now. Uh, it's really awesome to see that. It's glad it's, it's so much fun when there's more than one team involved in, in these Scudetto races, and now we got two other teams involved. Uh, we'll see what Atalanta can do. Maybe they can make be the fourth team. I doubt it right now, but uh, Lazio and, and Inter both have the capabilities both from a managerial standpoint and from the players on the field, to really challenge Juventus. And uh, of the three teams, I think Juventus has the most losses of these three teams, um, which, is, which is crazy because uh, when these get down the stretch, when these, on yeah. all these three teams play each other, um, I'm curious how it turns out. Now, we know how good Juventus is in the big games, but these two teams are riding a wave of momentum at the moment, and so we'll see how when the, when the, we saw what Lazio did in the first half of the season. Can they repeat that in the second half? If they do... My goodness, this could be a celebration all across the league. Yep, for sure. Um, Inter. I mean, and they're still only three points back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, worth, just something where just things didn't go their way. I think that's really the only way you can. They got this distraction of having to go to Ludogrets on Thursday uh, before they come home and has, host Sampdoria. I, I mean, clearly for me, I, I don't think they're going to care a single lick about Europa League and Ludo. I, that's why I think Ludo Gretz is going to advance past them. I don't think they're going to make oh, this a thing. Okay. I don't think this is, they're going to make this a priority. I think they want to get out of that competition as quick as they possibly can and see what they can do to win this title. Um, because that's the advantage that Lazio has over Inter. There's nothing left for Lazio to play for. They're not in a Coppa Italia. They're not in the Europa League. This is all they got left. So this is what they can exclusively focus on. So that's where they have a little bit of an edge here. Juventus and Inter still have outside competitions that they're trying to play for. You know, and in Juventus's case, they're still trying to go for a treble. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that they have to be, they have to stretch their squads on where Lazio can just be dialed in on this right now, which is another reason why I think they're dangerous in this, uh, uh, in this title discussion. Yeah, and I and I know Inter fans are going to scream saying they're going for the trouble as well. But uh, Inter's is probably, I mean, Juve's is probably a little bit bigger than uh, than than Inter's. Just uh, a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, Lazio is really in a perfect position. Like you said, they're not in any competitions anymore. Um, you know, one maybe they tanked out of the other one. Uh, they didn't tank, but they you know they got beat. Um, yeah, that's they're in the best spot right now. Inter, you know, maybe they don't care about uh, Europa Europa League, but. They're probably going to want to, you know, go to the finals of the, of the Coppa Italia at least, at the very least. And Juventus, we know their, we know their intentions. They want to win the Champions League, so they're going to be full on that. And then as well, you know, obviously trying to win another trophy with with the Coppa Italia. Uh, you know, Sarri wants to get as many trophies as he can as well. He's, you know, after winning last year with Chelsea. So um, Lazio's in the driver's seat at the moment, right? They got to be. They've they got victories over both these clubs. They have nothing, you know, no nothing, no outside distractions. You gotta like where they're at right now. Now, really, the big thing with them, with Lazio and, and Inter as well, is the mental game, right? Both so far are doing f- pretty well uh, into 2020, early in 2020. The season's still got a few months to go. Um, can they keep that mentality the way it's been all year, or do, or does the past creep up? We know Juve doesn't have the, those worries, so that's gonna be the big, big trick for me to see if Inter and Juve, if they really want to remain, or Inter and um, Lazio, if they want to remain in the Scudetto hunt, is keep with the same mentality. Go with what got you there. That's what I'm going to be looking at. At Genoa, host Bologna, and then March 7th at Atalanta. That's Lazio's next three fixtures. Ooh, the um, big one. Yeah, and that is a massive one there um, in Bergamo. 
you know, if they can get something, I mean, I think they should get maximum points at the Marasi. Genoa is really struggling, and I think that they'll. I think that they'll do what Roma wasn't able to do against Bologna. Um, you know, because I think yeah. that they're a little bit more organized and they're not, you know, as naive defensively as all of a sudden Roma has become. Um, so for me, it's, uh, you, you know, I think they get maximum points out of that. And if they can get something out of this Atalanta game, this gets really, this even gets, this gets even more serious. Oh, 100%. No doubt about that. So it's going to be very exciting here going down the stretch. Uh, I, I, I cannot wait to watch these games. Big games come down the stretch. Mm. Absolutely. All right. That was our, that was our uh, review of Lazio and Inter. Richard has Atalanta and Roma, the other big game of the weekend. Yeah, as, as Frank mentioned, the other big game of the weekend, Atalanta playing host to Roma. Uh, this game would be in Bergamo. Uh, a very, inter- very interesting game to, to come in here. Um, you know, two clubs, uh, both in the Champions League positions at the moment. Um, oh, actually, excuse me, Atalanta are in, in Champions League position at the moment. Roma are, are slightly behind them, uh, but both these two teams are really far away from anybody else uh, to try to catch them. So really, these two teams are ones fighting for fourth place at the moment. Uh, and so looking at the lineups of this one, uh, Pierluigi Golini was in goal for Atalanta, and they had a defense of uh, Toloi, Palomino, Jamisin, and then you had uh, midfield, you had Hattabur, Darun, Froiler, and Gosens, and then up top you had Gomez, Ilicic, and Zapata. Pretty standard lineup. I mean, there's, there's some guys maybe that didn't start that you know um, we've seen, but Atalanta have had just, have so many guys that they can start. It, it really doesn't matter who they play out there. It's just a, no matter what, it's a standard lineup because we've seen all these players and they're all very capable and all very skilled. Yeah, definitely. And you know, going into this game, the way that Atalanta were running and the way that Roma were running, and especially these last couple of games with Roma, and it almost looks like they've been found out defensively. I said, oh gosh, this is going to be an absolute. A riot. I mean, they might be close in the table, but right now, on going in on form, I was like, these two teams can't be more far apart right now. And I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of the injuries that have hit Roma all of a sudden, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, one hundred percent. And you wonder if Fonseca is going to have to adapt to a defensive system, knowing how much of a juggernaut Atalanta are. And so the lineup that they came out with was Paul Lopez in goal, uh, Bruno Perez. Uh, Fazio, Smalling, and Spinazzola in the back. In the midfield, you had um, well, you also had uh, Mancini as well in there. And the Mkhitaryan, Pellegrini, Perotti, Cliver, and Jeco. Um, were you surprised with this lineup at all? I mean, um, obviously, no Kolarov's going to be in there. You know, he's not going to be in there because this game is a lot of importance in it, with it, and you need to have a, a strong defender uh, play. Was any of this um, head scratching you, or were you content with what Roma put out? There? Oh, this game would have been too fast for Kolarov. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, the inclusion of Fazio had me curious here. And then it looks like, you know, Mancini was going to sit in front of Smalling and Fazio or if they were going to be a back three. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't figure out what, you know, when I looked at the lineup, I couldn't figure out what Fonseca wanted to accomplish. Um, and then an inclusion of Fazio, who we've made fun of a lot of, a lot over the last year and a half, to, you know, almost two years, um, I said, this is a guy, you know, this is a guy that could possibly get roasted out here uh, against this Atalanta attack. I'm surprised that he's in the starting 11. I'd rather just take my chances with just Smalling and Mancini maybe coming good after the last couple of games. Um, you know, so a lot of that was all all curious to me. 
Uh, and then Bruno Perez back in our lives. Where the hell has he been? Um, how bad are you that David? <laughs> how bad are you that Davide Santon kept getting picked over you? I know, right? I know, right? So, it's just it's just one of those things that uh, just has my curiosities. But this was an interesting Roma lineup. I don't know what it was hard to try to figure out what Fonseca was going for when I saw this lineup get released. Yeah, um, and so. I was really curious to see what kind of Roma we would see. And we would see is a defensive one because we knew Atalanta were going to attack. And uh, they did fairly well for the most part. Um, Atalanta were, you know, were, we know what, they're, what they are. And, and early on, they had a nice, uh, a nice counterattack that got to Papo Gomez. Uh, one-on-one with the goalkeeper, Paolo Lopez, though, came up big. Um, that was a really good opportunity for Atalanta to take the lead in, in the game, Frank. Um, a typical classic Atalanta counterattack where Ilicic finds uh, Papa Gomez streaking behind the defense and uh, Paul Lopez comes up big. I, I'm i stunned that uh, Gomez doesn't finish. It was Gomez, Me right? Too. Yeah, yep. and I, I was stunned too. Um, and I'm trying to figure out. He tried to curl it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's an outstanding save by Lopez. Uh You've seen him do different things before um, rather than go for the curler. You've seen him, uh, you know, chip it. You've seen him just try to go for power, but I think he tries to go for the curl and just try to get it away from Lopez's hand. I think you credit, give, give credit to Paul Lopez. He made an outstanding save. Um, you know, but uh, in general, that's one that you normally see Atalanta going ahead 1 0 on. Oh no, without a doubt. And I was surprised that it was still zeros at that point. Uh, Atalanta would cut, would count, uh, come back later, later on. Uh, Ilicic in front of the, in the goal, uh, goal crease area. He got a shot off that went just wide. Um, Atalanta put a lot of pressure on on Roma, and it looked like it was destined to go zero zero because Atalanta just couldn't get a goal past Paolo Lopez. Um, unfortunately for them, and unfortunately for Palomino, uh, in the 45th minute he makes a grave error. Uh, that leads to the uh, leads to the breakaway for uh, Edin Dzeko. Edin Dzeko does not miss when he gets the opportunity like that. Um, he puts a right-footed shot past uh, Golini. Uh, one nothing, like seconds before halftime. Um, that had to have been a gut punch for Atalanta, being so close, being so dominant, and then give up a late, late goal in the first half like that. Um, Gasparini could not have been happy about that. No, he couldn't have. I mean, I mean, it's just poor technique from Palomino. Um, and exposes the ball, and Jekyll just jumps on it. But to Jekyll's credit, he's still got some work to do uh, to score this goal. And, uh, you know, he has to – now it turns into a, you know, not only going forward with the ball, but he's got to fight Palomino off to finish it. Uh, you know, and he uses his body well. He shields Palomino off so that he gives himself enough space to finish the chance, and he does well here. Uh, and, yeah, Roma Roma get a 1-0 lead that uh, – you know, it's it's hard to say whether or not they actually deserved it. I think that Atalanta certainly put them under. Roma produced some things going the other way, but certainly nothing nearly as significant as what Jekyll did. Uh, and Roma's in into the break with the lead. But I, I think it's a moment where you just Gasparini is the kind of manager that I think you would see him look at the situation and evaluate things and say, "Look, I'm not going to panic. There's nothing." different we really have to do from what we've been doing we just have to score goals um you know and, and just probably if, if i was gasping in that situation i probably would have told my guys hey just same again the goals will come just keep putting the pressure on them keep doing what you're doing so um and as you're going to describe they they ultimately did yeah um 
you, it would come in very easily. Uh, you could easily see if you know at halftime, Palomino making that big mistake and Gasparini yelling at him and maybe maybe yanking him. He did not, uh, and thankfully he did not because uh, shortly after the halftime break, as the football gods work, uh, corner kick from Papo Gomez. Uh, Jamisi gets ahead on it first. He finds back post. Lo and behold, Palomino, who equalizes, gets revenge for his mistake earlier in the game. Um, that, that, that's what football is all about, right? You, you, you make up a bad play, you stick with it, and you get, ba- you get your vengeance back a little bit later on in the game. Um, this is moments in the game in terms of game time, but um, Palomino comes up big, uh, gets the equalizer there for uh, Atalanta, and he, no, one, no one was more relieved than him with that goal went in. No, absolutely not. Um, good finish. Uh, you know, just, you know, using his body and just kind of getting, getting a little dirty here to, to, to score, uh, sliding in, getting his foot to the ball. Um, you know, and that's, I mean, you gotta be willing to do whatever it takes to score goals. And, and Palomino certainly did that to, uh, to get Atalanta back on terms and yeah, redemption for him. And so uh, Atalanta will continue to attack uh, in this one. Roma really was just trying to defend for their lives. Hopefully they can get away with a point. Um, but uh, in the and I already lost the trip. Well, what minute was <laughs> in the 59th minute? Uh, shortly after his insertion, uh, Mario Pasalic with my pick of goal of the week uh, scores on his first touch. An outstanding curler past Paul Lopez, top corner gets the winner in Bergamo. Um, that couldn't be any easier than that, right? You come off the come off the bench, one touch and goal. Uh, what a what a goal by Mario Pasalic and and what a well deserved win for Atalanta in this one two one. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are I need to find out how to get a hold of Gasparini and uh, ask for winning <laughs> ask for winning lottery numbers because this is now the second straight week where he just says you go in there and that guy scores as <laughs> he did it last week with Malinowski yeah. against yeah. Fiorentina. Yep. Um, it only took Malinowski eight minutes here. It just took. Pasolich within seconds of coming on, and he scored. And and both of them were good goals. Yeah, uh, you saw and, him giggling after the goal too, because he's like, "I did it again." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bet. You know, when I co, I, you know, I coached for a long time, and whenever I did something like that, or I made a substitution, brought somebody on, and they scored right away. When I would, you know, because we used to keep track of who got all the goals. I would put myself down for that goal. <laughs> so instead of the one who actually, instead of the substitute who came on and actually scored it, because I, you know, I want I want the credit for that because I made that decision to help to help our team as a coach. But uh, you know, I Gasparini doesn't have that kind of ego where he's going to do that. But uh, no, no. you know, and I don't see Gasparini's name on the score sheet either. So yeah, so it was a, a, a beautiful finish by Pasolich, and uh, yeah, I'm with you. He's he. I got another one that is damn close, but uh, yeah, there's some good I'll, ones this week. I'll uh, I'll give that one as my goal of the week too. Uh, had a hard time competing with that. Uh, and you look at possession in this one. Uh, surprisingly, it was like fifty fifty. But you look at the shots in this one. And it was eleven to five, and really, I don't I don't remember Roma having any goals, any shots on target. Um, it, it was, I think maybe they had one, if if, if any. Uh, yeah, the one. Really just, yeah, the one that Jekyll scored. Oh, the one Jekyll scored. Right, you're right. That's the <laughs> only one. Of that, Outside of that, there was nothing. It was just all defensive for their part. Um, was this a necessity to play this way because you're playing against Atalanta or, or what? I mean, I want to give Fonseca credit because, you know, he, he stifled Atalanta for the most part in terms of goals. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not the tactic I want to use, especially when the attacking formations by, by Fonseca's men typically have worked well for them. Um, I think that, you know, he... He set out when you look at how Roma played. You, you set out to try to make the game hard for certain players like Gomez, like Ilicic, 
you know, Zapata to an extent. And, and Zapata, I thought, you know, I thought he did a solid job with him because Zapata hardly got a foot in this game. Um, but when you do that, I mean, the way Atalanta play, okay, you're going to try to make the game hard for them. Then you're freeing people up like uh, Gozens and, and Freuler and Daron and Hattabor, you know, those four across that, that, that yeah. sit behind those three that are going to have some license to get into some spots and create some things. So, you know, Atalanta have been through this before, uh, you know, and they play and, and they play accordingly. Um, Palomino scoring on a set piece. And that's another thing. We, how many times have we talked about an Atalanta center back scoring, um, you know, in, in set piece situations. So they've got so many different ways that they can beat you. You know, um, one of the things that you got to do when you play Atalanta, if you're going to play that way, if you're going to be Roma, you got to keep the set pieces to a minimum corners, free kicks, things like that. Um, and I don't know that Roma is really built to do that for 90 minutes. And I don't think it's really in Fonseca's style to, to play the way that Roma played. I think they looked at this and said, look, this is our best chance of trying to get something out of this game. Let's just, let's just have a go at it. And in, in, a, in a sense, it almost makes you wonder, you know, when Fonseca picked this team and I know he doesn't have a whole lot to pick from right now with, with some of the, uh, with some of the injuries and some of the losses that he's dealt with. Um, but when he picked this team, you, you, you wonder, um, did he give up before the, the game began, you know, and then Jekyll putting them up one nil was a surprise. It's just, uh, it's one of those that I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye on Roma here for the next few weeks and kind of see how they respond after this game, because, you know, they were, they were very generous against Sassuolo and Bologna here in the last couple of weeks. They did a good job tightening up here against Atalanta. And I think that Fonseca might've had to do that when you think of how, you know, Musa Barrow destroyed him and then how that front three of Sassuolo destroyed them. Um, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, you're getting Atalanta. And if we keep going about things the same way, and if I put the same formation out there, uh, it's going to be over before the wh- the first whistle even blows. So, you know, there might be an element of let's do this. We don't like it, but let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable because we're playing an opponent that is going to monopolize things. And we just, you know, we talked about Parma earlier winning 1-0 and, and, and doing it in a soak-and-strike way against Sassuolo. Um, Roma maybe let's said, hey, let's try this and hope we get lucky, hope we get something out of it. Yeah, no one else seems to get lucky against Atalanta, so might as well try something different, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Roma are in free fall, and it would not surprise me that they're going to be battling just to stay in a Europa League place the way things are going. What say you? That's a hot take there. Uh, yeah, uh, that's not a bad take at all. Um, I still think there's still enough distance. Oh, really, there's not much anymore. It's at four points now, right? Yep. Man, uh, and the teams, you know, Napoli's charging hard. They got the capability of, of, of surpassing them. Hellas and Parma are still to be determined. Bologna, Milan, Cagliari as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good possibility. And I think of all those teams, I would still bet my money on, on Napoli just because they have the talent. They may not be playing as a cohesive unit quite yet, but... Um, yeah, it's a very good chance right there. I like it. I don't think anyone's going to catch Atalanta in the moment. Nope. It's uh, definitely uh, definitely going to be a challenge the way they're playing and the form that they're in. So, um, so nonetheless, those were our marquee games of the week. Uh, go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram, and uh, let's uh, whip through the rest.
Okay, Richard, the fun began uh, early Saturday. We had Lecce against Paul. Uh, Lecce on a big-time roll right now. Uh, Moncoso getting a goal in the 41st minute uh, on a penalty. Uh, that would be 1-0 at halftime. Patania, pies for everybody. Uh, 47th <laughs> minute, making it 1-1 uh, on loan at Spall after Napoli picked him up. And then in the 66th minute, crap on a cracker uh, member, Zahn Meyer. Trying to play his way out of it and scoring in the 66, getting a winner for Lecce and an important three points. Uh, in this edition of Men Behaving Badly, we have Bologna, and they were playing host to Sassuolo. Uh, it was uh, Adama, Su- oh boy, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Adama uh, Sumaro. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, I got it. Uh, in the 28th minute uh, to put Genoa ahead. Uh, Genoa's just pulling players off the street and having them play for them now. I've never heard of this guy. Um, and then uh, uh, Yerdi uh, Scouten got himself into some trouble here uh, and got a yellow card for a foul, but then VAR decided to have a closer look and said, no, that is a that is a red card offense. So he got sent. That was sent a nasty to, play. That was a nasty play. Very nasty. Uh, so Scouten got sent off, and then that sent Bologna down to 10 men, and then Antonio Sanabria scoring a man's goal in the 44th yeah. minute. Uh, goal of the week candidate, no doubt about it. And then uh, Stefano Denswell in the 89th minute said, fuck it, I'm out. I'm leaving early. Gets his second <laughs> yellow sent off. And uh, Domenico Crescito scoring in the 90th minute on a penalty. Um, uh, so... It's been a rough couple of weeks for Denswell. He had an own goal the week before, too. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, it did. Um, but uh, Genoa desperately needed three points and getting them at the expense of um, of uh, Bologna. Uh, if uh, you woke up early to catch Udinese and Hellas Verona, you're pissed off and you want your sleep back. Uh, that ended nil-nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though uh, Udinese had 17 shots, five on target. Uh, so the goalkeepers were good in this game. Each of them made five saves um, in this one. Musso actually made four saves. Uh, so uh, so Udinese and Hellas Verona, nil-nil. Uh, the multi-calcio, we had Juventus beating Brescia 2-0. Paolo Dybala in the 38th minute goal of the week. Florian Aie with his getting sent off just prior to that, a Ugh. second yellow card offense. Um, dumb foul, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know you're on a yellow. Stay on your damn feet. It was nothing, just minutes after the yellow. Yeah, come on. Nothing good is going to come from. Nothing good is going to come nothing. from. You you leaving your feet after just getting a yellow. Yeah. Uh, curling free kick from Paulo Dybala, making it one nil. Uh, Juan Cuadrado from Blaise Matuidi, uh, wrapping up the points uh, for the old lady to stay top of the table. Sampdoria and Fiorentina. Uh, 5-1 for the visitors. Morton Thorsby puts the ball in his own net in his own net in the eighth minute. Uh, a penalty gets awarded in the 17th minute after a VAR review. Pretty clear cut on that one. Dusan Vlaovic takes the penalty, yeah. scores for Fiorentina, makes it 2-0. Uh, another VAR review penalty awarded as Nikola Muru committing a foul. It was his second bookable offense. He gets sent off. Federico Chiesa getting that penalty in the 40th minute. Um... Milan Badel uh, stamped on Bertolacci, and uh, which surprises me because Bertolacci's not that good where you really need to stamp on him. <laughs> um, but none, nonetheless, Badel uh, initially they, um, they they didn't VAR review it. It was one of those where they just kind of said they. I think they played on 
and then they went back and uh, decided to give him a, you know, once that was done, they gave him a second yellow and they sent him off because I don't see a VAR. Or did they go to VAR on it? No. Uh, so he he actually got a, a yellow card uh, five minutes before the goal, uh, before their uh, the second goal, uh, yeah. third goal, whatever it was. So that was the second. It was a, ended up being a second yellow. Um, yeah. So it, it was certainly a yellow card worthy of a play. I mean, you can question whether it's a red, red, red worthy, but nonetheless, uh, he had his walking papers uh, before halftime. Yep, so he got sent off. Uh, so it made it 10 v. 10 for the rest of the game. Um, claims for a penalty for Sampdoria before halftime, uh, but VAR review said no penalty confirmed. A lot of shit happened in this game. Oh, my uh, gosh, yes. And then Federico Chiesa with a goal of the week candidate in the 78th minute to make it 5-0, a consolation for Sampdoria, Manolo Gabbiadini getting one and uh, sparing at least a few blushes for Sampdoria, but losing at home 5-1. They are a uh, they are dead cent- front and center in this uh, relegation scrum now. The two Genoa, both Genoa sides are uh, front and center, and especially with Lecce continuing to win. Uh, we talked about the Sassuolo-Parma game. The other game of note, uh, Cagliari at home against Napoli, and it would be Napoli getting the 1-0 win in the 65th minute. Dries Merton, see what happens when you uh, play guys who know how to score in Serie A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he scores, giving Napoli the 1-0 win over Cagliari, who all of a sudden are falling further and further back. Uh, Monday, we're recording this on Sunday evening. Uh, Monday, we have Milan hosting Torino. Reaction to... Uh, those uh, six games. Oh, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, I mean, the fireworks at uh, the Fiorentina Sampdoria match with all, all the things that went on. I'm going to give an honorary hat trick tripletta to Vlaovic because it was really his shot that went in. They went off Thornsby or Thorsby uh, for the own goal. So you can't do that. It was an own goal. You I can't know. do that. You can't do I that. I know. But he played amazing in that game. He's uh, young. Him and He's Chiesa. Young. He's young. He'll get a Hattie at some point. You can't just hand him. You can't just give him one out of sympathy. Finally, I don't know what you think this Chiesa is. Are playing well. That's you know that's that's <laughs> that's the best thing to see right there. Both of them. I mean, they scored so many goals in the first half. Um, it's good to see. It's probably a big weight off their chest. Really, uh, they've been struggling to score all season long, and finally they get five goals against Sampdoria. Um, and speaking of Sampdoria, the. the uh, that Derby de la Lanterna could be really big at the end of the season with these two teams in their current positions. A uh, winner could take all uh, for next year. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get to that. Hopefully both can get out, but it doesn't look promising at this point. When does that happen? I'm just looking at that. Uh, it is May 3rd. Could be the last so, game. Was it last game of the season? Close to uh, Fourth last. thirty Match week okay. 35. So. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's that's going to be kind of an important game in the in the yeah. grand scheme grand scheme of thing the way the way it's going. Lecce, where did this come from? Oh my goodness, led by Mancusu. I don't know. I mean, they're, this team is just scoring goals now. I mean, yes, it's ball, but hey, they're getting results left and right uh, for the last what month now. Um, good for them. I mean, one, I love those jerseys. I mean, those are probably the best jerseys in the league. Uh, but the fan fan turnouts are really riding with the fan momentum right now, and um, all their players are just. Playing much better right now. Antonin Barak, he had a good game. Falco had a good game. I mean, this uh, Lecce, they're kind of reminding me of Crotone, you know, a couple a few years back when they made that big run at the end of the season, just start taking taking teams down uh, unexpectedly. This is what Lecce's doing at the moment. It's just fun to watch, isn't it? Do you think Spall should have had a penalty shot there at the end? <sighs> I could see, I could see why people were going he, for, it, but uh, like I was it, fine with Milan Twitter were all because after the after the cup match. 
and you and I were going back and forth with this, and I said that's a penalty. The be- yeah. and I, I don't I don't have to like it, and I don't like it, but this is what they have been consistently doing all season, one, yeah. all season long. So they're 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 staying they're staying in line with that. I have somebody telling me, you know, showing me the video. Eh, there, look, look, and I'm like, yeah, I okay, know. maybe the that. second time all season where they didn't give it. All right, all the other times they've given it. So you know, stop pouting about it. It sucks. Let's get on with our lives. Okay, I have already said, and I'm the <laughs> I'm probably the biggest basher of Juve getting all the calls and all of this other stuff, or one of the biggest, and. Um, I think I said, this past week I was. <laughs> yeah, I said, guys, that's a penalty. Okay, I I hate to say it, I hate to break it to you, but the way they've been calling that, they're going to call that a penalty. It has nothing to do with privilege or non-privilege or any of this other stuff. And this this small thing, okay. Second time all season, the Calgary Brescia incident back in November that everybody talked about. That's the other one. Those are the only two that I can think of where they didn't get it. You know, but all the other times when they've gone to a VAR review, when they've had an arm extended, no matter intent or no intent, nature of why that arm is out, et cetera, et cetera, they've called a penalty. So, um, you know, but uh, in this case, they didn't. And it's the, um, uh, you know, it's 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 the nature of it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but that's uh, that's the way it is. Here comes Napoli. Yeah, they're they're getting their points, and finally, Dries Mertens is playing right. And we've been playing for this for how long? And as yep. is the, the far from Zeus guys, and he scored a wonderful goal, didn't wasn't it, man? Uh, that's what we that's what we know Dries Mertens would be like, right? He can score. He's the best player, in my opinion, on Napoli squad. And uh, finally, he's he get. I'm sure it was a huge relief for him to not only start but also get the goal there and get the game winner ultimately. So I'm happy for him. More if than anything else. It, if everybody listened to Serie A sit down, every every team would win every game. And then how fun would this league be, right? And you so, would still win. <laughs> they still would. <laughs> they'd be like they'd win it, and then everybody else would be tied for second. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe Juventus listens to us, and that's why they keep winning. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but no, uh, you know, Merton's getting the goal. And, 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 you know, as we had been saying, when you appoint a Gattuso and – you want to know what the trajectory is like. Okay, it's going to stink for the first couple of weeks, but it is going to get better. You know, if you're willing to ride out being awful for those first couple of weeks, which they were, and now they've they've come around and they're finding a way to win. They they go and win at Inter, which I predicted a score draw in that game last week, but also said would not surprise me if they would go out and win that game because, you know, Inter might have a little hangover from the Derby. And Gattuso's actually got these guys playing well. The narrative of Gattuso going back to the San Siro and, you know, all, all that other fun stuff. So, I mean, but you're looking at what they've done here all of a sudden. They have that ugly loss at home to Lecce, you know, but suddenly that loss doesn't look so bad with the way Lecce are playing. Um, but the rest of it, you know, isn't so terrible. I mean, I mean, when you look at it, they, they win 4-2 at Sampdoria. They looked really good in that game. Obviously, and, and that was an important... Because it was after they beat Juve, you know, so to follow up and go on the road, even if it was Sampdoria with all the struggles, to win that game, win, beat Inter in the first leg of the, and have a big advantage in the Copa, and now uh, beating a Cagliari team and winning in Sardinia. So um, the, the, they're now in the ascendancy here under Gattuso and alive and well for a European place. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really good stuff. And, um, you know, the only other team that really, only other game I really, you know, really had my eyes were actually Juventus Brescia. I kind of had a feeling that Brescia were going to play Juventus tight in this one. No Ronaldo in this one, obviously getting some rest, but 
which was good, I think, because you got to see the actual set piece specialists take their you know take their opportunities. And DiBala, again, he just masterful from the goal. He has more goals. Uh, from set pieces this year than Ronaldo has in the last probably five years, right? Right. Um, he's just a wonderful striker of the ball, as is Pjanic from a set piece you know, situation. And then that that was obviously a goal of the week candidate. And I thought also the Juan Cuadrado goal was a goal of the week candidate because the beautiful pass by Matuidi, the back heel flick right to a stride, uh, in stride Cuadrado for the goal. Um, well done by, by by Juventus. It wasn't easy by any stretch, by any means. Uh, Brescia made it tough for them, but. Um, I'm sure the red helped, but I think they would have won anyway. The way they kept, you know, the onslaught on the uh, on the on the goal of Alfonso uh, for Russia, uh, they were bound to get some goals, and then I'm surprised there's only two goals. The beautiful pass from Matt Tweedy. Uh, that's not something that you normally hear uh, every day. <laughs> but you He's never hear that. beautiful pass in Matt Tweedy in the sentence unless you hear Matt Tweedy allowed a beautiful pass to happen and Juventus <laughs> conceded a goal. So let's you know. Let's enjoy it while it happened, or Juve fans enjoy it while it happened, and and Juve fans know more than us that that doesn't happen a lot. So, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think, just going through the rest of these games. Um, what else I wanted to hit on Bologna? Bad day. Uh, yep, bad day. You know, just really all you can say. Um, pick out of the two Genoa teams. Pick one that has to go down. If if one of them have to go down, Sampdoria or oh, Genoa. Man. Um... Based on how they play, God, this is that's tough. I really like both clubs. You know, both are great for Serie A. You know, part of me wants to say the obvious answer is Genoa, but yep. I mean, Sampdoria with Ferrero right now, they kind of just maybe they get. Maybe they, I, I'm gonna say Genoa. I think Sampdoria get an opportunity to get a pass after last year's. You know. Great, great runs, and especially with Qualiarella with the Capocannieri. I'll give them a pass. I think it's Genoa. They need to reset and uh, start over again and build their team up and, and come back up again and, and try again. Uh, they've been hard to watch the last few seasons, Sampdoria more so this season more than any, any other one. So Okay. Okay. I can... I can go with that. I think it's I think I think it's Genoa that should go down. Um, I think that the Sampdoria team is just a little too talented to be in this position. I think they're a better team than Genoa. Um, so, you know, for what that's for what that's worth, I think there's a little more talent there. Uh, you know, and I think over the long run, they'll probably be the the team that uh, the team out of the two Genoa sides that will outlast this thing. Um, you know, right now, Lecce, if they can continue this form and continue to accumulate points, they're in great shape. The only other team that I would say you probably worry about at this stage is is maybe Udinese. Um, I can't see this Torino team go down with the talent that they have. Fiorentina's getting it figured out a little bit over Yakini, where I think they got to, you know, I saw possession superiority, but I also saw that they got to have a man advantage for a decent chunk of time and then yeah. played the rest of it in 10v10. So it's probably one of the few times that a Yakini managed team is going to have more possession in a game. So, uh, but <clears throat> in any event, um, yeah, I, I, I would I would pick Genoa. Uh, if I've got to pick between those two teams, just looking at the looking at the squads, I think Sampdoria is too talented to go down, and let's hope that Ranieri gets this figured out. So, at least for the sake of Sampdoria fans, goals of the week. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Uh, my um, my honorable mentions are going to be uh, Juan Cuadrado's goal, the assist really from Matuidi uh, was definitely an honorable mention for me. Uh, and also Tony Sanabria's uh, solo run was uh, was 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 a nice nice piece of goal there. Uh, but didn't quite make my top five, 
Um, coming at number five for me, uh, on behalf of Solo Parma's uh, Giovanni Dugal, uh, Gervinho's goal assisted by uh, none other than Cornelius. Um, it was just a nice piece of counterattack. They were really getting beat by Sassuolo, and they got a chance, and they took advantage of it. Uh, that makes number five for me. Number four, Paulo Dybala's free kick. Uh, masterful, really done, masterfully done by him. Uh, come number three from Fiorentina, Federico Chiesa, his uh, curling shot. Uh, fading away, if you will. Uh, that comes in number three for me. Number two is Dries Mertens with his 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 curler. Um, wonderful to have him back, but that goal was really something. And number one for me, as mentioned earlier, Mario Pasalic, first touch, first goal. Uh, wonderful, wonderful shot by him, and 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 really quickly too. If you watch the, watch the replay of that, um, that's my top five. Okay. Um, slightly different with you. We've got four of the four of our five in the top five. Um, I've got Meritons at number five uh, with the curler. I've got Chiesa's goal in at number four. Uh, I'll take the Dybala free kick at number three. I really loved Slanabria's goal, and for me, that was the second best goal this week. Okay. Uh, you know, for Genoa. So, um, just the individual run, the you know, just the power and the persistence on it, and then uh, of course Pasalic for me, goal of the week. So, uh, winners and losers for me. Lazio a huge winner this week. Um, uh, getting that. You know, I mean, they've got wins over Juventus and Inter. They've got wins over their direct title rivals, uh, proving that they're a, a living, breathing thing uh, here in their quest, uh, you know, to to win a Scudetto, which before the season we could not even fathom that, um, you know, but to be in the position that they're in, uh, definitely very impressive. Um, loser for me, uh, I think we can possibly and very much so throw dirt on Spall. Uh, and maybe say that this is the last nail on the coffin. Uh, they are um, this. They had to get something out of this game against Lecce and uh, didn't uh, to have any chance of trying to uh, make some kind of miraculous survival. They're eight points from safety, uh, 14 games left. That's not good. Uh, and I think that the uh, Ferrara outfit will be in Serie B next season. Ah, okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, my winners of the week, uh, I'm going to stick with that match. I'm going to go Lecce. They continue on their Crotone-esque run here at the end of the season. Uh, big win, uh, especially because it's a you know, relegation team. They're going further and further from the relegation zone now uh, with that victory 2-1. Uh, they're sitting about three points uh, above the relegation zone, which is good for them. Uh, losers of the week, anyone who went to the Dacia Arena to watch Udinese Hellas Verona, <laughs> uh, you should get your money back. Yeah, I, those, yeah, those poor <laughs> bastards, right? So, uh, hi Sonia. Yeah, I know that's uh, <laughs> or people who actually lost sleep uh, uh, on this side of the pond getting up to watch that game. Yeah. So what a shame. So that's uh, that's our winners and losers of the week. That's our goals of the week. Your thoughts at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Hey, real quick before we uh, move on to Europe, uh, Milan Torino tomorrow. Um, it's at the San Siro. Uh, Milan need a bounce back after, you know, losing the derby. Somewhat got one with how they performed against Juventus midweek. Torino just can't seem to get it right, but they're so da- they're, they're dangerous enough going forward. Um, but I think that Torino's in a bit of a free fall. I think that Milan can take some courage from how they've played these last two games. I will go with, and this is not a bias, uh, this is what I think. I think Milan are going to win this game, and I'm going to go for them to win 2-0. Okay. Yeah, you know, I like that a lot. Um, Milan's play has been, you know, not the greatest, but it's not been terrible either, right? Uh, But 
on the other hand, Torino, they've been piss poor of late, and I think that's really going to be the telling thing in this game. I don't see them having a bounce-back kind of game. Uh, they've been playing poor no matter where they play, it seems like, so uh, whatever competition it is. So I, I do like Milan to win, and 2-0 two, two or um, maybe 2-1. Uh, I like their defense, 2-0. I like, I like your shout, 2-0. I'll go with that. Yeah. I think the experience of Kiar against Belotti will be helpful, and I think that the job that Romagnoli does – uh, so, so we'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And I think going the other way, you know, you got to take advantage of a, of a team that has a good, de- good defense, but a, a good defense that's in very poor form. Um, you know, so hopefully that they, they make use of that. So, um, that's our, uh, Milan Torino prediction. Let's get on to Europe. All right, let's wrap this up with the European uh, outlook, Richard. This week, Atalanta hosting Valencia in the Champions League. Uh, Juventus will travel to Lyon the following week uh, for leg one uh, as far as um, remaining teams in the Champions League. And I believe uh, Napoli-Barcelona is the yeah Napoli-Barcelona is the following week as well. So yep. only Italian team involved in the Champions League this week. On Wednesday, Atalanta at, remember, at the San Siro. Um they will host Valencia. Um, this game, I mean, this is going to be one of those where when you look at the draw, you know, clearly these aren't two of the marquee names, but we know Atalanta. Our listeners know Atalanta. And what we do know about Valencia, um, giddy up. <laughs> this has a chance to be a very special two legs. Uh, but if if uh, Atalanta expect to get something out of this, they've got to get off to a good start. Valencia, what's working against them, they're not particularly good away. Uh, and in fact, they have been getting smashed away recently. Uh, all the way back to January 19th, they lost 4-1 at Mallorca. Uh, then they uh, had a uh, 2-1 loss at Granada, uh, a 3-0 loss at Getafe, uh, so they have had their problems in away matches. They just come off a 2-2 draw at home against Atletico Madrid, which will give them a little bit of confidence. But Atalanta have to get out to a hot start here in the first leg to have a chance to reach the last eight. I think they're going to do that. I I think Atalanta are going to win this game 3-1. Yeah. Um, we hope a lot that Atalanta that shows up is the one that shows up at the, that showed up at the end of the, of the group stage, right? The team that finally started playing like the way we and, and, and Serie A are accustomed to seeing. Um, this should be an, an open, entertaining series. Um, 3-1 is your shout. Uh, you know, Atalanta are playing so well right now. I, I hopefully, hopefully they continue what the, their league, their league, uh, their league form. I lost lost my words there for a second. Um, yeah, Atalanta, uh, Valencia been playing had a good result. You know, this past weekend or uh, on Friday, two two with uh, Atletico. Um, but I think Atalanta are gonna are still just are, are so confident at the moment. If everyone on the team, from the starters to the bench players, they're all this their confidence is skyrocketing right now with all the passing and the beautiful goals. Three uh, one. I, I must say, yeah, I'll, go, I'll say two nothing Atalanta. Okay, so you got two nil. I've got three one. Uh, let's see what you know. Hopefully, uh, we'll hear from people and see what they think about the game coming up on Wednesday. Uh, Europa League round of thirty-two. 
uh, Inter traveling to Ludogorets and then yeah. Roma hosting Ghent. And I already gave you my opinion of how I expect Inter to treat this when they're in the middle of a title race. I think Ludogorets are going to win 2-1. Um, I've, I've not seen Ludogorets play. I just don't think that Inter are going to be invested in this. Um, and I see a victory here for um, I see a victory for the Bulgarian side. Yeah, and, and and I can see why you would say that. Um, uh, Inter are not going to be want to are not going to be caring about this one whatsoever. They got more Coppa Italia and, and Scudetto on their minds. Um, but I, I I think that Inter are not going to completely throw this away. Um, I can see a one-one score draw. Uh, so in favor of Inter going back to the San Siro for the second leg. Yep. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. Uh, uh, and then Roma hosting Ghent. Now, if Roma have any hopes of reaching the Champions League, I feel like now six points behind Atalanta for fourth. They're struggling. They're in free fall. They're going to have to get it done in the Europa League, and that's going to be a pretty tall order considering some of the teams left in this. But they can get off to the right start here. I think that you know they've been pretty good at home so far in this competition, and uh, I think they're going to continue that. They'll get to the Olympico. They'll get some things figured out. Um I like a 2-0 win over Ghent. Now, let's just be careful because these Belgian teams are producing some really good players. Okay, so it's yeah, not going to be yeah. terribly easy. I don't know. I don't, I'm not totally familiar with what Ghent have in their locker. Um, but I think that Roma will have what they need to get a win here and, and take an advantage back to Belgium. Yeah, if you look at the if you look at the standings right now in, in the Belgian League and the Pro League A, uh, they're sitting in second, I think, currently right now. Um, in, in 2020 alone, they've scored, I think, something like 17 goals uh, in, in, in the month and change that, that they've played so far. They've scored a lot of goals in a lot of their games. They're, they're averaging about three goals a game uh, right now. So they're scoring goals and they're having fun doing it. Um, Roma, while we know they can score goals, they can give up goals as well. Yep. You said, what, 2 nothing was your scoreline? Yep. Um, I'm going to say that Roma aren't quite prepared for Ghent. Uh, and so the first leg's gonna go two two. I, I see a high score in one in this one. Um, okay. But I think they I think they turn it around the second leg on the road. But uh yeah, two two. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good to me. So we'll uh we'll see what happens with that. Your thoughts on uh the European games coming up, go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. And with that we'll put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Richard, uh anything to plug? Yeah, uh, obviously you can find me anywhere at r underscore k h a r m a n. Uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, make make sure you follow and go and subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, Syria, sit down there. Uh, and if you wanna, we just reminisce about Parma here. If you wanna reminisce about Palermo, I'm trying to get them in Football Manager, the video game, back to Syria. Uh, go ahead and follow, find me on YouTube, and you can find me and find the videos there. I'm posting them on on Twitter as well. So there you go. Excellent, excellent. And I'm at FTC underscore 21 city so, yeah, i sit down we have our own channel on apple podcasts on soundcloud you can find us on stitcher spotify just about anywhere podcasts can be found you can find us uh do subscribe and uh give us follows there for when the next uh, next episodes drop um we have our own channel on youtube um you'll see a uh, video of me talking about lazio being a thing le- uh, a couple of weeks ago with richard uh, and I'm sure we'll have some snippets from this podcast that we can throw onto that YouTube channel as well. Um, and uh, we'll continue to pump out more video content as we go. So uh, please take yourselves over there and uh, check out what we've put up there so far, and uh, we'll continue to add more to it. Um, 
at City A Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're also available on Facebook. Uh, drop us a comment. Drop us a question. Drop us a suggestion for a future podcast. Uh, is there a team that we have not hit? And we've hit quite a few teams here in the years that we've done this uh, that you'd like to see a deep dive, and we'll try to go out and find uh, an expert on that team and, and bring them on. If there's somebody that you want to hear about, we'd be happy to jump in and uh, and, and make that part of our podcast. It was awesome to uh, do the Parma uh, Parma discussion here with Giovanni. Uh, so, so let us know on that as well. So, uh, other than that, enjoy the European games this week, and we'll be back next weekend with another edition of Serie A. Sit down for Richard. I'm Frank. Thanks for listening, and as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.